Well, we find ourselves this morning continuing our gaining and understanding of the pastoral epistles, at least first and second Timothy. And this morning we're in Second Timothy chapter three. And if you haven't turned there yet, would you please turn there with me? There is a, a verse that It's kind of smack dab in the middle of verses 10 to 15 that we're going to be looking at this morning that is a challenge. As we read this verse, as we understand the implications of what it is communicating to us, it, it really could be one of those verses that, that you want to skip. It's, it's one of those verses that, it, that if you could, you would probably scratch it out, or at least change it a little bit. Look at verse 12, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And notice what the Lord has to say for all of us this morning, to each of us. This is not just the Apostle Paul speaking to Timothy. This is the living, active Word of God that is now being spoken to us this morning. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Notice what it does not say. It does not say might be persecuted, could be persecuted, but it is emphatic. It is of certainty it is a prediction. It is for sure going to happen to all of those who desire to live godly. They will indeed be persecuted. This morning, these verses, these aren't easy to swallow, particularly verse 12. Why? Because none of us lean into suffering. Of course, none of us enjoy suffering. What we would much rather do is pass that suffering on to someone else or do whatever we could to keep that suffering from coming to us. And yet this is what our Lord says to us. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let us pray for the preaching of God's word. Heavenly Father, I... I ask that you would speak to us this morning as only you can through your Holy Spirit, that he would be our guide, that he would be our teacher. Lord, there is truth contained here that is difficult to swallow, but oh, so sweet. When we understand that along with suffering comes salvation, Lord, that that is the only way that we can make suffering make sense to see it from your vantage point, to see it through the, the eyes of our Heavenly Father, of the, our Lord Jesus Christ and, and the Holy Spirit, to see it through the eyes of redemption. And how much you love us. And how much you're going to use suffering in our lives. And how suffering should be, it will be, a part of our lives if we are following you, desiring to grow in godliness. So speak to us now through your word. 
Keep the distractions to a minimal. And may your word go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. This has been a theme throughout 2 Timothy, this idea of suffering. Paul hasn't pulled away from it. And we see him once again hitting this gong of suffering. Why is that? I believe it's because Paul's looking at the end of his life and he recognizes that salvation is at hand. That he's about to be ushered into the kingdom of the Lord, so to speak, into the Lord's presence. And as he considers that, he more than anything else wants to pass off to his young son in the faith, Timothy, the importance of how Timothy was going to run the race. How Timothy was going to, once he took this baton from Paul, how he was going to continue on and what he'd already begun. And so in that, that it's, it's appropriate for us all to consider this morning, man, how am I running? Paul wanted to make it oh so clear to Timothy with the first nine verses, the days that he was living in, these the last days, those days that started with Jesus coming, and his incarnation that ended with, not with Jesus going, but that will end when Jesus returns and takes us to be with him for all of eternity. Not speaking of the rapture, but of the kingdom. And then he gives this depiction. This depiction of what it will be like for the ungodly during this time. Right now in, in your life, Timothy, this is what you're seeing. Not just in the false teachers who have infiltrated the, the church in Ephesus that, that are holding to a form of godliness, verse 5, as we saw last week, but they deny its power, that they truly are not saved, but that the whole world, Timothy, is chasing after the opposite of what God wants to give them. They're all about what? Being lovers of self, about hating whatever God says is good. And so in essence, what, what he's done in verses 1 to 9 that we saw last week is, hey, this is a road that you should not be following, Timothy. This is a road that leads only to death and destruction. That this is a road that leads away from God, not towards God. And so you need to realize how people are functioning now. And all of that so that then he could say, and this is the road, Timothy, that I want you to follow. Not that road, but this road. And that is where he's going and where he does go in verses 10 to 15. My New American Standard, the first word translated is now, but it could have been translated but as an adversative giving contrast to what he had just said. That instead of following the road of Janus and Jambres, who opposed Moses, who opposed the truth, who were men of a depraved mind, who were rejected by the Lord, that instead of following them, no, 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 this is what you should do. 
You should follow what you have already been following. You should continue on in the lessons that you've already learned in the Word of God, Timothy. As he says this now, in complete contrast to what he has just said, now you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, all of these things. You followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, and this is the only imperative, this is the only command that we see in these six verses. You, however, continue. You don't get a choice in this matter. You continue in the things you have learned, and he ties it all with God's word that you have learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's as if the Apostle Paul starts off and chapter 3 with describing everything that Timothy is not to be in order to get to verses 10 to 15 to show him and this is who you are this is how you started this is what you should continue on in doing it's as if he's 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 sounding a gong and saying Timothy it was God's grace and his own purpose and plan for putting you in my life and me in your life He did all of this with the idea to train you and to get you ready so that you can continue to live this life as I pass this baton off to you. Don't you recognize, Timothy, in all that we did together, in all those years that we spent serving the Lord together, that it was all part of God's plan to train you up to refine you, to refine me as as you and I spent time together ministering for the Lord. That as the Lord was building my faith in Him, I would set you aside and I would let you know how that process was happening. And in that, He was building your faith. Don't you remember what I've taught you about? About living life for the Lord and suffering. All the times that I mentioned it to you. So that over there in verses 1 to 9, what I just told you, Timothy, that should, this shouldn't surprise you. But the way that you are to walk is over here, down this path, following godliness, following the Lord, following me, following Christ as that is who I am following. It's as if Paul is, is trying to just blend himself out of the picture. And as Timothy looks at him, that he actually sees Christ. Because he recognizes he has no other boast but in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, no, I want, to fo- I want you to follow another way. Follow Christ's way. And in that, this morning, we're going to see three ways we as believers 
are to live godly lives and to embrace suffering. You can't get away from suffering in these verses. You can't get away from suffering in this entire book. No matter how much you might want to try, you can't. Unless you abandon wanting to live for the Lord and desire godliness and desire serving Him. So Paul gives us these three ways that we as believers are to, are to live godly lives, recognizing that that includes suffering. First is this, follow the life of the godly, and that life, if they are godly, will include suffering. Think about the import of what he's saying. Anyone who has lived a godly life must have suffered. Number two, desire to live godly and what? Expect to suffer. Recognize that it will come. And be ready for it. Make the Lord your number one priority in all that you do. And that way when the suffering comes, you will be able to see it through the eyes of redemption, Timothy. And you will be able to pass that on as I pass it on to you. Paul's whole mindset is passing off the baton to Timothy so that he can then pass it on to the next one. And finally, number three, continue in the truth which will lead from suffering to salvation. Never suffering for just the sake of suffering. It's always suffering with the mindset of salvation that if I live one more day, it is for the glory of God that I live and for the sake of the gospel that I might proclaim it yet another day that is where Paul goes and he starts off with this aspect of following the life of the godly look at verses 10 and 11 now you you followed my teaching conduct purpose faith patience love perseverance persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. This word followed isn't your normal word for following. I did a lot of following in the tribe in Papua New Guinea. My first so many years, in fact, kept on, because why? Anytime I wanted to spend time with our people there, I'd have to follow them to all sorts of different places, to their jungle garden, and we do that by following a path. The path was usually about four inches wide. You couldn't even go foot side by side. You had to go foot over foot. That takes time to learn how to do. I couldn't look off to the side. I had to follow the guy that I was following, right? He's right in front of me. And I just watched his feet as I was going. That's not the idea here where you just kind of check out and you just follow. You're not thinking about anything else but walking, walking, walking. No, this is more the idea of, of, look at this beautiful communion table. It's the idea of the, that the man that built that communion table wants to teach you how to build a communion table. And so what does he do? He says, okay, first we go and we get the wood. And you purchase this beautiful wood and you look at it and make sure that, that there's not any great big glaring parts in that wood that, that's going to end up looking wrong. And you cut it all out. You put it through a planer. And you go through the entire process. And what are you doing? You are engaged. You're not just watching to watch. You're watching to do what? To follow and to replicate exactly what he is doing. That is what Paul is saying. Hey, you didn't just check out. You're watching me in order to follow my footsteps. In everything that I do. 
You are engaging your mind while you are watching me so that you can mimic me. So that you can be like me as I am like Christ. That, that is the word when he says follow. It means to emulate. That is where Paul starts off. And what I'd like to do is give us three little subpoints that, that all have to do with this following the life of the godly, as, as Paul makes it oh so clear. That there's three aspects of following the godly person that Paul kind of emphasizes. And first, it's the, the lifestyle of the godly person. And what does that include? That includes the word of God and their teaching. That includes their life and that includes their characteristics or their virtues. All of these things, Paul was showing to Timothy and Timothy was looking at him and following. And he starts off with God's word. Why? Because it is the most important. Because you shirk away from this and you change up and you don't care about God's word anymore and everything becomes experientially oriented, then you are no longer on solid footing. And you don't even know it, but you're no longer following that path. You're actually following kind of a middle path. And what was of utmost significance was the heresy that was being waged war on of what Paul was teaching. Paul was teaching this is truth, this is the gospel, it's only in Christ Jesus alone, and instead these guys from Ephesus that were now these false teachers, they come in and say, oh no, no, that's not the gospel. There's more to it than that. Let me take you back to the Old Testament. Let me take you through all of these genealogies. Man, I'll show you a better way, even better than Paul. And so where does Paul start? He starts off with, you know my teaching. You've learned my teaching. You've followed my teaching. The idea is, your teaching's like mine. Keep it like that. And think with me for a moment, who knew the teaching of Paul any better than Timothy? He, he started off with Paul when he was just a young, young man. And he went with Paul all over the place on all these different missionary journeys. How many sermons of the Apostle Paul did Timothy listen to? But it went so much deeper than just the theology and the sermons that he was teaching. He listened to his very life. So as Paul would come into a place and somebody would refute him, and they, at times they do it violently, and they'd aggressively go after him, and how did Paul respond? That's what Timothy is looking at. That's what Timothy is learning from. That's what Timothy is following. Responding in patience and love. It's staggering to think the level of influence that, that Paul had on Timothy. Modeling for Timothy the right way to speak, the right way to teach, the right way to refute error, the right way to suffer graciously and endure and be godly. In all of this. Think about Paul's words. Turn back with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. See, it would be one thing for me to say this to all of you when you don't live with me. It would be an entirely different thing if you and I worked together day after day. You and I slept in the same home. You traveled with me from point A to point B for years. For me to come along and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Why? Because I could say that to you and my life actually might be the complete opposite of what a good godly life looks like. And if that was the case, then you guys should throw me out of this pulpit. 
But look at Paul. This is to a man that spent all the time with Paul. And that's why he says this, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. And to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. And then we see he takes it up another notch and, he, and, he, and he's saying, hey, follow me and follow my teaching and follow my life. That has been the example for you. I've been the example for you, but it's not about me. It's about him. And it's about the work that he's been doing in my heart and in my life. And you know that I boast in no, nothing else than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm, when I'm talking about you following him, I'm really, or following me, I'm really talking about you following him. Isn't that what he says? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Here he says to the entire church in Corinth. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. He's the ultimate example. He's the one that I'm pointing you to by pointing you to me, Timothy. Why? Because you don't see Jesus, but you see me. Think of the implications and the ramifications of such a thought. Who do your neighbors see Jesus in if they don't see him in you? Who do your coworkers see Jesus in if they don't see him in you they have all sorts of other choices to see Jesus in and Paul is saying man you know from how you've watched me and how you've learned from my life how you should keep on living for the Lord Timothy so first he starts off with his his lifestyle his teaching his life we see his, his virtues, faith, patience, love, and perseverance. That all points back to Galatians 5, does it not? And the fruit of the Spirit. What is Paul saying? Hey, you need to be a man that submits his life to the Spirit's leading, the Spirit's guiding, the Spirit's influence. You need to be controlled by the Spirit, Timothy. And then this, this fruit will come out from you through the Spirit. And then he says something difficult. As he says, Don't, no, you haven't just learned from my teaching, from my life, from my virtues, but you've actually learned from the way that I've suffered. You've learned from the patience and sufferings that I've gone through. My persecutions and sufferings. That, then he says, such as happened to me, where? At Antioch and Iconium and, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. He says, hey, you've watched me and you've, and you've seen the way that I have just gone through the crucible and I've been uh, honestly almost like put on fire. You've seen this over and over again, Timothy. Learn from me. First in my persecutions, that means hostile recep re receptions and violent reactions. Hey, you understand when we went to places, people always didn't respond well. Don't be surprised by that. His second word for sufferings is just a, the, a more general term for coming into hard times through your affiliation with Jesus Christ. We must recognize that suffering is to be a fundamental landmark of the church of Jesus Christ, of this church, of all churches that name Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
and follow him. And then he gives us these three examples that, if we're not careful, we, we might think make sense. As he says, hey, you know what happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and, and at Lystra. But the reason why they don't make sense is because this happened before Timothy joined Paul. When he refers to these, he's pointing to his first missionary journey. And Timothy wasn't with him. Barnabas was with him. If he was going to point to a, a common place where, where they would have served together and, and, and Timothy would have seen firsthand his persecu- the persecutions and the sufferings that Paul went through, he would have pointed to Philippi. He would have pointed to Rome. He would have pointed to Ephesus. But he doesn't point to those places. Instead, he points to these other three, including Lystra. Do you know why? First, because that's where Timothy is from. So when he points him back, even before he became a missionary with Paul, he's pointing him back to a place of reference that Timothy would have had so many memories of. Not just Lystra, but Iconium and Antioch, because those were close. No doubt as a young boy, Timothy traveled to all of those places. And could it be that that it was when Paul ends up in Lystra and he is really stoned to death? They drag him out of Lystra. Why? Because the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they come after they turn both of those towns upside down and chase Paul out. They then can come to Lystra and they turn that city against Paul. And so they pull Paul out of the city, which is where you would do the stoning, and they stone him, and they leave all the stones on top of him, thinking him to be dead, because he is dead. He was stoned to death. And we don't know if if Timothy was there, but it says that the believers were there, and they watched him rise up from the rubble. That isn't what happens when people get stoned. But if the Lord still wants to use you, then that is exactly what happens. But still, I don't believe that's the reason, the number one reason why Paul points him back to these three locations. Do you know why I believe he points him back? It's because he wants Timothy to recognize, hey, hey, look, you've been with me a long time. You know that my life and actually your life, once you started getting involved with me, your life became a life full of suffering. But recognize here, Timothy, that my suffering and my persecutions started long before you joined me. And do you know what, Timothy? As I'm handing this baton off to you, my suffering will end in my death. Which isn't really death at all. It's now life with Jesus. And I'm handing this baton off to you. And your life will be a life of suffering. And you, one day, you will die as well. And then your suffering will end. But you're going to pass that baton off to the whole next crew of Folks that are following Jesus. And do you know what that baton says all over it? Stained with blood. It says suffer, 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 persecution all over it. Do you recognize that each one of us this morning, we've been handed that baton? That you are next in line. That I am next in line. That that is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Hey, don't let this surprise you. This is the reality. This is what we're going to come up against. But he doesn't leave it at that. If he left it there, it would be so depressing. All your life is full of suffering and then you die. 
hey, just keep enduring. I hope you make it through. I hope you have a good attitude. I hope somewhere you can find some sort of positive attitude in this. No, that's the world. They try to spice it up, turn it so that, man, it doesn't come at you, that actually it's not really suffering, it's something else. But what does Paul say? Paul puts suffering in the reality of what? And out of them all. Notice all. Out of them all. And that's difficult for me. Why? Because sometimes things happen that I'm, man, this, this continues on for a long time. I know some of you are dealing with sicknesses and, and, and struggles and pain that you've been dealing with for a very, very long time. Does God's word lie? So does all mean all? And out of them all, the Lord rescued me. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Timothy, I don't want you to forget this. Yes, don't forget that this is what our life is going to be like. But do not forget redemption. That he will save us. And if he saves us now in the present with whatever we are struggling with, it is so that we might serve him another day. And then the day after that. Then more suffering comes and then we'll see. Is he going to take us home to be with him? Or is he going to rescue us from right now and whatever we're going through so that we can serve him another day? That's Paul's attitude. That is such a challenging attitude for me. To look at suffering through that vantage point. That just as soon as you get me out of this, Lord, I'm not going to go into easy street. I'm not going to go take a vacation and hang out at the beach for a couple weeks. No, I'm going to serve you. That's, that's Paul's attitude. That's the attitude he's passing off to Timothy. Recognize he will one day rescue you from all of your suffering and there will be no more suffering. And with this to understand that suffering is not a bad thing. It's not a hopeless thing. It's not meaningless. There's more to it. That God is using suffering in our lives. This is the kind of attitude that Johnny Erickson Tata has who since, what, 14 has, has been a quadriplegic. If there is anybody that I would think, man, would you like a redo? You know, don't jump off that day. Go back in time. Don't jump off. You know what she would say? Never. I never take 